Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I am Pastor Troy Richards, and with me, as usual, is Sir Josh Humphreys. Joshua Cole Humphreys. Joshua Cole. That's me. JC, same initials Ooh, as Jesus. Wow. Yeah, I know, but... I don't think I picked up on that. Wow. Well, gosh, uh, <laughs> Joshua yeah. and Yeshua. Yeah, I get it. The same yeah, name. And I know. Same, same name. In the, yeah, J. Yeah. Cole. How cool is that? Well, today on the Understanding Jesus podcast, we, we escape the book of Jeremiah and we move into Lamentations. We went through Lamentations last week and out of Lamentations and into the book of Ezekiel. So we actually, it's a rare moment when you have three Old Testament books in one week of Bible reading, but we... We do that. Uh, we did that last week, and also uh, Psalm 119. We finish. Uh, we finish out Psalm 119 and Proverbs 28. Uh, just a few verses of Proverbs, some words of wisdom, and uh, and then we look at what Paul says to Titus, and uh, and also to Philemon, which is just one chapter, and it's about Onesimus, um, the uh, slave. So he runs from his master, and Paul sends him back, but with some instructions on to treat him nicely yep as a brother in christ uh and then we begin the book of hebrews Woo! so yeah i love exciting. the book of hebrews i do too it it's good. very cool we don't know who wrote hebrews but we do know he it did. is he did a good job he did holy spirit <laughs> That's right. Great job. Now we do. Yeah, thank you. Great job. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, we're gonna uh, we're gonna come back and we're gonna share a little bit about what uh, God showed us. If you if you're new to the Understanding Jesus podcast, we we take and look and see what God uh, not not any major theological revelation or type things, but just simply as we are reading devotionally things that. Are we highlighted in the scripture that stood out to us in the week's reading? So we're going to share a few of those things when we return. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast, where we are looking at some passages in this past week's reading that stood out to us devotionally. And today, Josh is going to kick us off. Yeah, I'm about to say something um, that you would probably never hear anybody say. I absolutely love the book of Lamentations. I, you know, I, I actually like Lamentations. I, so. A lot of people are afraid of it, and I understand because it's lamenting. Like it's like a, it is. It's a very it does book. have in its title <laughs> lamenting. Yeah, but it, but it it has well in chapter three. It has mm-hmm. a passage in chapter yes. three is one of the one of the more popular passages yeah. of, of the we'll Old be Testament. We're talking about that today um, a little bit, but yeah. I wanted to start with Lamentations one verse one. Um, so this is what it says: It says Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She was she who was once great among the nations now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she is now a slave. And this is such a heartbreaking moment in the Bible because God's presence has left His people. And the people that God had set apart for himself are now completely separated from him in general. So they're not set apart for him, but now they're separated from him. And now their enemies and their oppressors are in charge of them. And so it's just kind of interesting if it just kind of reminds me, Genesis 1 is like this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it was like this desolate and void place. And Lamentations 1-1, when God just kind of doesn't, he doesn't reverse creation, but it's this moment of, Boom, everything is desolate again for his people. Mm. Um, and that's very intense. And so um, this book, 
I remember the first time I read it, I just cried because I just understood like, oh, like this was a big moment in the story of the Bible. Like this is huge. God, um, this was his people and he loved them. And he finally just, he, I mean, he keeps his promises. He walked away. Um, and the poetry here, I think it was in chapter two, um, just made me cry because like we as readers of the Bible now know what happens next in the story of the Bible, but the people here really didn't. And so this was their heart pouring out. They were completely ruined. They were heartbroken. And this is what the author says. It says, I have cried until the tears no longer come. My heart is broken. My spirit is um, is pure out, is pouring out in agony as I see the desperate plight of my people. Little children and tiny babies are fainting and dying in the streets. They cry out to their mothers, we need food and drink. Their lives ebb away in the streets. Uh, like the life of a warrior wounded in battle, they gasp for life as they collapse in their mother's arms. Mm. And it's just like, put yourself in that moment. Like, look what happened. Like, they're completely desolate. People are dropping dead. They have no food. They have no money. They have nothing at all. And their protector, who was God, who was their good king, is no longer with them. And these people are in complete despair. They they really feel like they have no hope. I'm sure some of them did. Mm. But even in that, even in this, this moment of just there is nothingness, Chapter three, what we were talking about a second ago, has this moment that even though they know people are dying dying, and they're miserable and they're crying and this person says they have no tears left to cry, it says um, they know who God is. They mm. know who Yahweh is. And it's in three verses, um, 21 and 22. And it, it seriously, again, just made me cry like a baby because it's just this is who God's character is. And it says this, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends his mercies never cease mm. and it's like that's the god of the bible even though even though israel had messed up so many times and they're aware of it and now they're reaping the percussions of their sin that they are fully aware of that they turned their backs on him even then they know who Yahweh is and Yahweh stays the same in this moment this book of lamenting a huge understanding that we have to have as believers of, of Jesus now is when we're in that hopeless spot, God never changes. And we need to have that. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. And so, yes, lamenting and, and life is scary and it's hard and it's miserable and it's horrible, but you can't give up hope. And these people knew through the prophets that hope was going to come sometime but right now that that hope was not there and that it, the book is just beautiful and it's so poetic and it's so just the illustrations of of people dying and people being raped and killed and murdered and looted like it's just you watch what what sin does to people and, and how even in that that God is he's still faithful and he's still good no matter what and it, I just absolutely love this book mm. wow very good. Good word on Lamentations. It is, uh, it's an acrostic. Just, it mm -hmm. is, it's ironic or just, I don't know, providential, I would rather say, yeah. that uh, we're going through 119, which is an acrostic of the entire Hebrew alphabet over each uh, section. And uh, Lamentations, each chapter is right. an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet, meaning each each section begins with yeah. a, a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it is, it literally is a, a Hebrew poem. And, and just uh, the thing about this story that just it crazes me is be, I mean they just didn't know 
when God was going to come back. Like yeah. it was just this, they had like, it's a climax of the old Testament of God has left his people and they don't know when he's going to come back. And yeah. like, how scary like that. Ugh. Yeah. And it's hard to connect because yeah. I mean, when you are given a warning that uh, parents will eat their children and children will eat their parents, mm-hmm. you know, that's right. That's not something we can even no. comprehend how bad the world. Right. I mean, we do, we've never known anything like right. that. And and if we, we if we even saw that anywhere in the world at the we would be you know would try to intervene right. or do something. Right. But uh, that's where they were. It's just heartbreaking yeah. when yeah. you realize like that's that's God's and people. God and God was the one. It wasn't that that happened, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, and then people addressed it. It was a right. God said, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. When I when I withdraw my hand of, of grace from you, right. this is how bad it will become. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So. But yeah. I mean, it, when you read now in the New Testament, what Jesus has done, it, I mean, it changed. Again, this is such a vital point in the mm-hmm. story of the Bible. Of this is what happened, but this is God's character. And his hope comes again. And he brings rejuvenation. And he brings life. And he brings goodness and peace and love and judgment and um, mercy and, and justice. Like, I, I mean, it just is so important to understand this part of the story. And it yeah. makes you see Jesus, uh, again, just the beauty of, of him. So anyway. I could yeah. go on forever, so I'm yeah. just going to stop now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Well, I I looked in uh, in Proverbs uh, chapter 28, verses 9 and 10, and it says, Anyone who turns his ear away from hearing the law, even his prayer is detestable. Mm. The one who leads the upright into an evil way will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will inherit what is good. And when we reject the truth of God's word and refuse to obey his precepts, we leave his courts and deny ourselves access to the throne of grace. It isn't that God, somebody said, well, God doesn't hear the prayers of the unsaved. God, well, God hears everything. It's impossible for God not to hear everything. But the prayers are not effective right. of those who are unsaved. And mm. so when we, when we uh, purposefully choose to um, disobey God, when we turn our ear away from hearing what God says. Um, you know, there's there's a, a thought process that we have. Well, well, beyond that, our hearts and minds are estranged from God uh, when we are not listening to his word or hearing his word. And we're unable to even form the prayer uh, so that they're in keeping with the character of God in, in in keeping with his will. So we're we're speaking to him when we are praying, uh, when we are not obeying him, when we are speaking to God, we're speaking out of a self-centered nature, mm-hmm. one that's seeking to fulfill our own lustful desires, and we don't have any interest in his will uh, being done on earth. So when Jesus was teaching us to pray, that's why he's saying our, we're praying for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done. Mm-hmm. But when we are not walking with Christ, we are not praying for his will to be done. Right. We're praying for either our will or the will of the enemy, and ultimately the two are the same when we're not walking with Christ. That when we hear his law and we obey his word, now at that point is when our prayers ascend to the throne of grace. And then he says, whatever you ask, I will do that. And so then our, our prayers have complete and and total power. So, I, you know, the, the, I think there's this idea that that is when we talk about that we, we, we are all junior theologians and we all will say, well, 
I'm not saved by works, I'm saved by grace, and which is a true theological fact that, yes. that Jesus saves us um, when we are unworthy and in his power. The mistake that comes in there is a disconnect of obedience, mm-hmm. and in yeah. that the salvation is in that he has now made me capable right. of doing good works. I'm now I'm now changed, I'm fashioned in such a way that I can do the things that Jesus tells me to do in the Sermon on the Mount. It's like the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, this is what a follower of God should be doing. Mm. And and the whole message of the gospel is, but you're not capable of doing this right. because you have you have to be transformed. The sin in your world and, and your lostness keeps you. And one of the things that we're unable to do is to pray because we are not obedient. And so, uh, so he changes us so that we can be obedient. And and so it is necessary to be obedient in order to be saved. But it's not the obedience that saves us. Mm-hmm. It's like I. But but it's like if you have been saved, then you will be obedient because you've been transformed, made new. And uh, and so the warnings that we are, have in scripture are, are real warnings. They, that it means if we're not obedient, then yeah, we we will not. Um, be in eternity with God. So people will come to me and say, well, hold on a second. So that means that if I am disobedient, then I've lost my salvation. Or if I'm disobedient, then I'm never saved. And and the answer to that is, if you are being disobedient, then the question is, are you saved? And And so the only way to remedy that question is to repent and start mm-hmm. being obedient. If you can't repent or won't repent, I guess is a better way to say it. if you won't repent and be obedient, then you should question whether you are truly saved right. or not. Because when a father calls to his children, his children respond to his voice. And and uh, and that's how we know we are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, ultimately, uh, we'll stand before God and God will judge us and, and he will reveal that to us in truth. But we are given the assurance that we are saved when we are walking in the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm in Hebrews next, Hebrews chapter Ooh, one, Hebrews. verse three, and I might need you to pop in and give your thoughts on it too, Troy, oh, because I'm right here. When we speak about the Trinity, it sometimes it's just really confusing. So anyway, okay, okay Hebrews one three, okay, and it says this: the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. And so this verse. Um, in my understanding, explains so much mm-hmm. of everything that we are called to do as believers. This is why we read our Bible. This is why the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are so important. Why Jesus is important. Why understanding Jesus while getting to know him is so important. Because he, Jesus, is the expression of God's mm-hmm. character. He right. radiates God's glory he is god and so this is where this gets kind of confusing but confusing because he is god but he completely is the expression of god's character right um but anyway so i say that when we are studying jesus we get to know jesus when we see jesus we see god and when we see god's character um and i don't know i can never get over that it is just really awesome and it really blows my mind that jesus is god through and through and us getting to know him allows us to get to know God even greater. And it's like, well, yeah, duh, that's just what that verse says. And that's why I read our Bible. But it just, it blows my mind. Like it just, the Trinity and that aspect of like, Jesus is the expression of God's glory. And he's the expression of God's very character. Like that 
I don't know the magnitude of that. There's so much in that. And my limited brain can't understand the Mm. unlimited eternal God. And yet through reading our Bible, through seeing Jesus in the gospels and watching how he's interacting with people. And just even before that, like when John 1, 1, 1 in the beginning um, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Like that stuff just is incredible. And we, we have the grace and the opportunity um, and the gift to just get to know him and get to know what God's glory is and get to know God's character. But we can only do that if we read our Bible right. and if we see Jesus and if we understand, like, it's just so cool. And I can never get over that. And I just love that verse of he radiates God's glory and he's the expression of him. Like that just yeah. is, I don't know. Yeah. Well, imagine that you're that Jesus is here and his disciples are around him, mm-hmm. and think of how often we are reading the Old Testament or reading the Bible, and we're like, I wonder what God means there, and Jesus yeah. and Jesus says, Well, this is what it means, mm-hmm. and you know, when you say that or I say that, it's like, Hmm, I wonder if he knows what he's talking about. Right. When Jesus says it, he's literally saying, Yeah, this is what God means because yeah. I am God. Right. And so when you're like, I wonder what tie Jesus would pick out, you know, when you're doing WWJD and Jesus is in the room, it's, it's pretty easy because Jesus yeah. is like, this is this this is what I would do. Yeah. You know, what would Jesus do in this situation? Well, I would do this because here I am doing it. Yeah. And so that's I mean, he is what the writer of Hebrews is saying before that for thousands of years. That's all people could do was right. go. Uh, I mean, all they could do is go. Um, I think God would want us to do this, or I think mm-hmm. God would do this, or I think God would do that, based on how He had revealed Himself right, to the prophets, right. based on the things He had said, and uh, in, in, in the law. Uh, and so, and that's why they're they're creating laws based on what they think would be pleasing and yeah. affirming to God. And so they're and they go way off in the yeah. wrong direction in so many ways. So then God sends Himself to be in our midst so that he can speak wow. our language so he can be there. So how would I interact with this person? This is how God oh, would interact uh, with this person. So how would, how would I react in this situation? This is how I would react in this situation because here I am doing it uh, right in front of you. And, and it threw people off. They were like, no, 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 that's not how God would act. Right. And God's like, yeah, this is how God would act. Cause I yeah. am God. Oh. And that, and so how blessed we are to live in a time to live in this age to where we are, and, and we are not, uh, even in that time period, when Jesus was on this earth, mm-hmm. he was not glorified. No. Meaning he looks just like a ruddy ga- carpenter guy. So they're just trying to figure out, we live in a post-resurrection, post-glorification wow. age. That's crazy. And, and we live in an age where the Holy Spirit has been given so that we can have the eyes and mind of God to recognize God. So when we read the Bible... God is giving us the ability to see God within the scripture that he revealed to these people. So we, we've been given something. We live in a time where we, are, we're, we have full access. The only thing we are lacking um, is seeing him face to face. But understand this, nobody... Uh, nobody ever experienced that. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking carefully about right. the Apostle Paul, mm-hmm. mm, but but even he if you think God's about it, it's, it's, a, it's a real moment. No, he saw Jesus, but I'm saying, think about it. Right. The apostles were given the Holy Spirit right. after they saw Jesus ascend into heaven, mm-hmm. so they never actually spent time with Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. So, oh my God! So they never had That's that. Crazy. So yeah. we're so they're in the scene, but we're in. 
we have the Holy Spirit, but we've never actually, we don't get to see Jesus face to face. So, uh, and Paul and his conversion process, that's a, a theological right. <laughs> weird yeah, thing, because yeah, 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 does yeah, he have yeah. the Holy Spirit in that particular moment? Right, but right, it would right, be brief, right. even if he did. But whatever the, well, he was, and he was blind right afterwards, <laughs> but the, so, and, and, which really, right. uh, that's a whole other thing. I don't right. know, maybe, maybe that's why he was blinded, so that he actually wouldn't be visibly seeing Jesus while he's filled with the Holy wow, Spirit. Wow, but, wow, wow, wow. but that, there will come a moment for all of us, when we will not see through a mirror dimly, but we shall see him face to face and and, that's, and also have his spirit. I mean, that's just the the great thing about this verse. It's like yeah. we we as saints get to see the fullness of God's glory yeah. through his son. Like that is, I just can't get yeah. over that. That is just so cool. That's just, what he's saying. He, he was, Jesus was glorified. Yeah. And he is then at the right hand of the father. He has purified us from our sins, given us the Holy Spirit and an understanding so that we can see within the word everything that he revealed to us as truth. And and then uh, the, f- the fullness of that mm-hmm. is when uh, two things will take place. One is we will be glorified, mm-hmm. meaning we will be have all sin removed and be taken out of a sinful body and given a, a new glorified body. So now we are unhindered by sin in the power of the Holy Spirit able to witness him face to face. And so that that's when we will first and finally be able to truly be in fellowship with God, um, unhindered by any of the, the taintedness of the world. Yeah, so. sorry, just one more comment. I just like all of that, all of the goodness of God, all the perfection, everything, his glory and his mercy and his justice and his character, all of that. And then he just invites us in yeah. to be in that relationship. And like... Wow. Yeah. And it's crazy. And there are people who just don't yeah. be, don't believe he is anything worth worshiping. And and it's hard to understand that. But I, I get it. I understand how it, that yeah. is a is a an act of faith and uh because we can't see him. And so they're like, So what if he turns out to be a little green guy, you know, three yeah. feet tall and, and short sighted and, and cruel and, and filled with hate? And it's like, well then yeah, then my faith is in vain and everything I believe yeah. is, you know, it's not like right. God, like I go, oh, great. I'm, oh, okay, that's who you are. I'll worship yeah, you forever. Right. No, it's like that, that would mean it would be dead yeah. or devastation of the universe. But the, um, but that's the, just not true. But it's just, yeah, it is not true. Mm-hmm. But that, that believing it is not true is an act of faith. Right. I do believe he is who he claims to be. I do believe that, that he, any, any person who predicts his resurrection, demonstrates his love for us mm-hmm. by dying and sacrificing himself and then demonstrates his power by the fact yeah. that he comes back from the dead mm-hmm. and uh, and demonstrates his deity by the fact he ascends into heaven right. in in the front of many witnesses um, and over 500 people see him you know in his resurrected state and see him ascend into heaven and that's um and so i i hold i hold to their testimony i believe their testimony is true that means I believe Jesus is true. It means everything that Jesus proclaims is true. And that's what makes the Bible true because Jesus proclaims the Bible as being true. Yeah. Is true. And his words. So, so cool. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Okay. Which is why we're here talking about it today. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Paul also, uh, Paul, well, I'll say Paul also. I don't know. Paul didn't necessarily <laughs> write Hebrews. But the, um, um, the, his letter to Titus, chapter 2. 
uh, it says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we shall we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. Um, that goes right along with what we were just talking about, that we are, that he's talking to Titus and say, you know, that's our, our salvation, uh, the God, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, meaning Jesus has revealed himself uh, to us, made himself knowable and teaches us that, uh, if we will deny ungodliness and worldly lust, the, um, I think that's going back to the obedience thing that we were talking about based on Proverbs 28. The, um, there is, uh, you are denying that aspect of your flesh, aspect of your life that is contradictory to who Jesus is. Because we, and, and he says, we, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age because we are looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God. And Savior Jesus Christ. So we're we're looking for Him to appear again. We 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 said we believe He has ascended into heaven, but we also believe He is coming again. And so we are living with that expectation that He is coming again. I always get the mental picture in my mind of when my parents have left me at home and said, "We'll be right back." And it's like, "Well, when will you be right back?" Right, you know, right. because it's like, and they don't tell me when they're going to be back. Mm-hmm. And the reason they don't tell me when they're going to be back is because they know I'm going to be disobedient. Uh, as much as I possibly can till the very last second right. when they come back. And in the same way, God hasn't told us. And he says, I'm going to come like a thief in the night mm-hmm. if you're being disobedient. He's just like a parent talking to his right. children. He's saying, if you're disobedient, I'm going to surprise you. You're going to be surprised. Mm-hmm. So just be doing what I've asked you to do yeah. uh, before I get back. And the punishment that my parents inflicted upon me is so much lesser than whatever wrath God could muster. Um, yeah. <laughs> I may have felt the opposite at the time. But uh, you know, but 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 it's not about us trying to figure out how much we can get away with. Mm-hmm. The key here is the being zealous for good works. Um, it's yeah. the zeal to do that which is of God that drives us to seek the power of God, uh, which is only attainable by walking in His Spirit. Um, that remains unquenched when we uh, deny ungodliness and we deny worldly lust. So we shouldn't do anything. We shouldn't do anything that hinders our sobriety. Um, that is why I'm an anti-drinking person. Um, and people say, well, it never says that you can't drink alcohol in the Bible. It does it specifically says we are not to be drunk, drunk mm-hmm. with wine. Um, but it also says we're to be of sober mind. And so not only should we not drink uh, if it takes away our sobriety, we shouldn't take any type of drug that takes away mm-hmm. our sobriety. Now, I'm talking about pain medication when you've had surgery or something <laughs> like that, when you're under medical care. I think um, medical care is medical care, uh, you know, to suppress pain and so forth. I'm talking about in, in us, uh, but, but it should also be recognized when we are undergoing that type of medical care, we are hindered from doing that which mm-hmm. God has called us to do. Yeah. Uh, so, but we're trying to heal from that so that we can get back to the mission that God has put us here. But when we are living in a daily state, a perpetual state, where we are doing things that take away our sobriety, that hinders our ability to be faithful to do what God has called us to do. And it weakens our defenses. So we are to strive. That's why we strive to live righteously and godly uh, so that we are not taken in 
by the God of this age. Uh, he has a plan to deceive us. He has a plan to take our families, to take us off mission, uh, and ultimately to destroy us if he can go that far. Um, but the way we are able to stand against him is maintaining a sober and righteous attitude, living soberly, living righteously and godly in the present age. Mm. So good word, a good, a good word, word from the Lord. We're going to come back in just a moment and we're going to address a few questions that uh, we have about God's word. So um, please come back in just a moment. Welcome back to the question answer segment of the Understanding Jesus podcast. With me is Josh Humphreys, and Josh has a question. So, Josh? I have many questions, well, Troy. Just uh, let's stick with a couple. Yeah, absolutely. So, this kind of just overall the prophets um, in the end of the Old Testament. So, specifically with Ezekiel and, and Jeremiah mm-hmm. is where it popped up in my head. But it always says, a message from the Lord. And so my question is, how did these prophets receive these messages? Where did it come from? Did they hear it? Did they, uh, what's going on? And I know Ezekiel gives us a, a kind of a big picture of it, but yeah. just where did they come from and, and how did they get communicated to those prophets? Okay, well, I'm just going to share a passage with you from uh, Ezekiel chapter 2. It okay. says, he said to me, and God speaking to him, son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak with you. As he spoke to me, the spirit entered me and set me on my feet, and I listened to the one who was speaking to me. He said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to the rebellious pagans who have rebelled against me. The Israelites and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this day. The descendants are obstinate and hard-hearted. I am sending you to them, and you must say to them, This is what the Lord says. Whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. Huh. And and so a few things are happening here. One is there's some that he is, you know, whether he comes through a dream, whether you're hearing an audible voice, whether you are writing on the wall, whatever the case, whether it's a vision uh, and whatever the case, God is making himself clear to this person. And the question is that, uh, you know, I don't know how, but I do know this. I know Ezekiel believes that it is God speaking to them. And God says, when you say what I tell you to say, then they're going to know that a prophet has been there, that it is me speaking mm. through you. Okay. And it's, so it's, it's the Spirit of God who is doing right. the work. And if you look at it, they do know that right. they are. I mean, remember in in uh, Kings, you have um, when Ahab, they're like, uh, do you not have a, prop, a prophet of the Lord? And, uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, um, Jehoshaphat right. is there and uh, and the and he's like, oh, yeah, but, uh, you know, he never says anything for me. Well, see, he knew that that was the prophet of the Lord. Mm. And so he so he he brings him in. Uh, but uh, but with Jeremiah, with Isaiah and so forth, there are multiple things throughout the course of their lives that um, that God does to affirm twofold one to the person who's saying it. Because think of the struggle you're having, right? With, and, and we see that we see it. In Moses, we see it with Gideon, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, where God comes to him and says, "Hey, I need you to say this for me." And Moses is such a great example because right. Moses, we have this clear that it, that there's a voice speaking with him out of this burning bush, yeah. and and he, <laughs> and, and but you don't have this time of Moses going, "How do I know you're really right. God?" Right. You know, uh, it's yeah. like because God knows. makes it clear and. 
I know this in my own personal experience, and uh, and that is uh, that um, that God does make Himself clear to me, uh, mm-hmm. and and that's well, that's the that's the because that's the record of the Bible. Yeah, there's never a time when God is speaking to someone where God does not make it clear that it is God speaking. And so after he makes himself clear, then the person can say, thus says the Lord. Um, And the affirming thing of that is that they will never say something, one, that contradicts something else they've already said, or two, uh, that doesn't come to fruition. Mm-hmm. If he says it, it will happen exactly as he said it would happen. And uh, and so that's how, and he said, so if you see that it's not happening, then that prophet's a false prophet. Right. And so, yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah, so along that line, um, so the Holy Spirit empowered these prophets right. um, or dwelled in them to speak. And so now um, we as followers of Christ has the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so my question is, mm-hmm. how can we be sensitive to the Spirit can we get messages from him? Not new ones, like we just said. But how does he speak to us now? And how do we like? Do we do we pray? What does right. that look like? How do we listen for him? Where? What does that look like? Well, and and this is a, a subject of debate because mm-hmm. some will say that the gift of prophecy has ceased; that there is no more prophecy; that the the role of prophets is is no more. And I and I, and I disagree with that point of view. But mm-hmm. but we have to clarify what we mean by right. right. Uh, those who are in the role of a prophet. If you are talking about someone who is given new revelation, I do believe that revelation has ceased, that there is yeah. no new revelation. Uh, well, I, I don't say that revelation has ceased. Right. There is no new revelation. Anything that is revealed at this point has to be something that has already been revealed through the Word mm-hmm. of God. There's no new inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There are no book, new books of the Bible being written. There's no thus saith the Lord Moments. for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Um, so, but there is, I still believe, there are still, I believe, people who God raises up who are proclaimers of truth, meaning that that there is that sense of there has there is a prophet among us, mm-hmm. meaning people who boldly proclaim the word and God uses his Holy Spirit. I think it's a spirit-empowered yes. role that God uses his Holy Spirit to clearly communicate his truth uh, to other people. And uh, not just in a, in a teaching role, mm-hmm. not not in a pastoral role, not even in a preaching way. And, and I think preaching and prophecy, prophecy kind of go hand in hand right. uh, sometimes. But the but it is in a, a clear, I have a word from the Lord. It's simply, it's a word that's already been given. It's the word. But yeah, it is the word. But it, but it's, it can be a word, but the mm-hmm. word that is given is a word that has already been given through yeah. the word. But, yeah, yeah. but it's like, this is, this is what the scripture says. And I think it's appropriate in this situation, in this time. Right. And right. not that I think it's appropriate, but that the Spirit of God has come upon me to sh- say this, and uh, and it is a and it is simply proclaiming the truth of God's word. I think that there's a prophetic role in that. Um, but no, I don't. I do not believe that there are prophetic utterances of you know. I think when people think of that, they think of that I'm saying uh, God spoke to me in a dream, mm-hmm. and you're going to be in a car wreck next week, and you know, or, or that you're going to go to the grocery and soap is going to be discounted, and you're going to buy you know, or something weird or futuristic or something like that. That I believe we've stepped outside the boundaries. Yeah. That God, we're not we're not fortune tellers, um, and. The prophets of old were not fortune tellers mm-hmm. either. They were simply, God was simply saying, here's what's going to happen because you are not being obedient. Right. And here's what will happen if you are obedient. He wasn't saying, he was, he was never saying this, this is going to absolutely definitely happen. 
it was always just a warning that this is what is going to happen if you do not change your ways or amend your ways. So he wasn't saying this is going to happen. He's saying this is what could happen if you don't amend your ways. Um, and many times they wouldn't amend their, and he, and he would know a lot of times they weren't going to amend their ways. Right, right. And so this is going to happen. But, but the point is, is that, um, we still have that same, those same warnings from God. And yeah, I do believe he raises up people to just reaffirm those warnings. But, you know, anybody can, anybody can look and say, well, look, the Bible says this, and I can say it with my voice mm-hmm. and it is just me speaking. But there are times when the Holy Spirit empowers that voice and he accomplishes a supernatural work that I, you know, to affect the hearts and minds of people that I myself am not capable of doing. So, gotcha. So, that's anyway. helpful. Again, I do think, I still think he speaks through dreams. I still think he speaks through visions. So I still think that those things take place. But, uh, he, like I said, he is simply trying to move people to accomplish his will that he has already revealed through the Word of God. So, uh, and I'll, I'll give you, I'll give an example of this before we go. Um, like when I'm traveling overseas and you're in a mission field and you're in an area that's deeply, uh, pagan or, or just not, don't believe in Christ, never heard of Christ or whatever, that um, that God could, uh, speak in a, a dream to a person and say, I want you to go into this village and I want you to say this mm, at the, you know, in this yeah. way. And they have this dream and then they go do that, which they had this dream to do. And then God uses right, what they right. do in order to do, do some, you know, he's also given these other people dreams or other people things and so forth. And then uses the situation in order to bring yeah. people to an understanding of who Jesus is. So for that, yeah, can God do that? Absolutely. I believe he can do that. Yeah. And so, uh, I'm very, very hesitant to ever say, uh, God would not do this mm-hmm. if, unless it is specifically prohibited uh, in his word. But if he's done it before, I do believe he can do it again. But I, I believe he himself has said uh, re- that uh, there is no you know, revelation. I think this yeah. is the last revelation yeah. right, I'm giving right, right, you. Right, right. So no new revelation. So That's helpful. Yeah, good. I hope so. Well, thank you guys for joining us. And thank you, Josh, for always excellent questions. And uh, and if you have any questions, always feel free to contact us. Troy at fbcj.us is me. Josh at fbcj.us is him. And uh, and office at fbcj.us is our secretary. <laughs> I guess, uh, but that word will get to us. But uh, whatever the case. Uh, go to our website, fbcj.us. You can look at previous podcasts, uh, previous sermons. We always invite you to come worship with us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. and also at 11 a.m. And if you're not able to be here in person, you can join us on the live stream at 9.30 or watch the watch the recording of the sermon and the worship service. So, But whatever the case, uh, we've enjoyed having you with us today and invite you to come back again and join us on, on 